Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comfort Watch, a podcast where we talk about the movies and TV shows we turn to for comfort time and time again. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I'm joined once again by my colorful rainbow sprite of a friend, Chrissy. Do you remember our old podcast? I would always go, who do who party people? I think you should bring it back. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, me and Chrissy had a podcast a while ago with yeah, the best name ever. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it, but it was great. And there were no edits, just a stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just fully eat chips the whole time we were and recording. Drink, and I drank wine. We would drink wine, cocktails. We, yeah, we didn't give a shit. Shared one microphone. Yeah, I remember one time you like had to go to the bathroom and you were like, just talk while I'm gone. <laughs> like, we never even pressed stop. You were just like, entertain them. And there's like a solid minute of being like, hello, friends, because I'm so awkward. It was the Wild West of podcasting. You know what? Back then, do you remember? We were like the number one comedy podcast in several Pakistan cities. Yeah, Lahore. Um, there was a time where we were also ranked higher than Conan as the on podcast charts on Apple in Sri Lanka. <laughs> It's, it was a weird time. It was a weird time. I don't know why we stopped. I think we both got real jobs and thought, this is dumb. No, I think we were scared of what to say. Yeah. And then now we were just like, who's scared anymore? Let's just do it. That's true. It was it was during the, the height of cancel culture. And we were like, were we going to get canceled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if we say something wrong? And now you know what? You can't say anything right. So just have fun. Just yeah. enjoy your time. Just, have, you know, don't hurt anybody. And just have fun. Yeah. How was your week? Oh, it was fine. <laughs> well, I turned I turned 35. You did. So I was teeing you up for it. it. It wasn't fine, but it was. It was a good time. You had a very busy weekend. I did. I was a bit bopping around. I had a good time. We had a lot of fun. I had a lot of meals out. We went to a very, it was great food in Crystal Beach, Ontario. Yeah, well, there's a very, I we think anyway, famous chef who happens to not be from too far from here, Maddie Matheson. And he's mostly, you know, in Toronto with his restaurants, but he had one that was like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So we went to that one. It's very Italian. It's called Rizzo's. Rizzo's House of Parm. It's a good time. I I do recommend it. It's not like blow you away, but it's like very approachable. Yeah, you're not going to go in and be like, am I dressed wrong? Am I, can I afford this? Can I, like, it's not yeah. threatening at all. Yeah. And but hopefully it's... one day it'll calm down enough that you can just go and not have to make a reservation three months in advance. Was it that bad? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Did, were you wondering why we were there on Sunday at 8.30 at night? <laughs> No, I just figured like that was just like the time people went out for dinner. No, no, I did not want to go on Sunday late at night. We closed the whole place down. We did. And I have to say, I'm, I don't know if I'll, we'll ever talk about my weird eating things on the podcast, but the the menu is small. Yes. But I found the food to be great. Like I'm a very picky eater, I guess. Yes. So there was like eggplant parm and salads and stuff for me to eat. And I enjoyed it. Not going to not say I don't pick restaurants with you in mind when I know you're coming. I would never be like, we're all going to sushi because you would do what? Just eat before yeah, not come. Exactly. Yeah. So I definitely pick restaurants based off of, I looked at the menu first and said, she'll eat eggplant parm. We can go here. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I'll eat anything. So I don't pick restaurants based on my own taste. Years ago, I don't think I would have, but I, I don't think I would have. I'd be like, I don't have anything to eat on here. But yeah. when I, I mean, expanding my palate, a whole new world. I, know, I remember when I first met you, you went, I don't eat pasta. But now I see you eat it from time to time. Yeah, I think I, I was so afraid of like, you know, the, the heaviness sometimes that you can feel after pasta. Yeah. But then I was like, if it's really good pasta, you don't feel heavy afterwards no. and also it can make you happy in the moment yeah so live fast die young eat the pasta <laughs> Libby does it well yeah that's right <laughs> well no I'm glad you had a great time like you looked cute you got all dolled up all your mm-hmm. friends are there they brought you gifts and I did not <laughs> I didn't know like we're not friends who do like I feel like there are friends who do no. birthday presents and there are just some who are like hi happy birthday no we don't normally I don't normally do birthday presents with anybody but i have two friends who are big gift givers and i never give gifts in return to them okay good to know because i don't know what to get people um sometimes i'll preemptively send a gift card Mm -hmm. because i'm like i don't know what you want but both of them are great gift givers and i think i (laughs) talk a lot out loud because everything i got i was like i wanted this yeah and they're like yeah we know so i think i walk around stores with people and go and i want that and i want this and I don't even realize that they're mentally taking notes. Those are good friends because I'm just oblivious. I'm like, do, 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 do. <laughs> even the candy I got, I was like, how do you know I love these? She's like, you've said it. <laughs> That's so funny. No, it was a great time. A great time had by all. My week was good, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you multiple times. so I knew how your week was going. Yeah, I know. You know, every day is kind of Groundhog Day right now for me. But, uh, you know, newfound plant mom. Listen, I'm in my garden girly era, and I feel like I we recently moved to a new house, and the people before had a very elaborate garden set up mm-hmm. that requires a lot of attention, and I don't want to be the one to kill it. Mm-hmm. I'm usually never outside in the sun. I live like a vampire, but I've been like really learning about it and taking care of them, and I really enjoy it. Is it making you happy? It's very relaxing to go outside and weed. Like, you give me, like, a very, like, dandelion-filled lawn and give me, like, a Diet Coke and send me out there for four hours and I'll be done. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're the daughter my dad never had. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every day in the summer, he'd be like, here's a screwdriver and make sure you cut it at the root. And I'd be like, no! I love, like, I love focusing on little tasks like that. Like, today I had to iron curtains for, like, it was no. just... Yeah, and I don't I, even know where my iron is. I spent half an hour ironing curtains, and I felt <laughs> like just giving me like chance to focus on that is yeah. the best. No, I don't. I don't relate to that at all. I mean, it is sad that that was the highlight of my day today, but whatever. Every time I start a task, I think, "Oh, do I have to do all of it?" Yeah, I, I often think that. That's why I don't start tasks because I'm just like yeah. I can't walk away once we're in it. I can. But, no, I'm really trying to be, like, outside a lot more. I walk a lot more. It's been very good for my mental health. Do we still have blips in the road? Absolutely. <laughs> and when I say blimps, do I mean, like, major, major roadblocks? Absolutely we Oh, do. yeah, and, like, a trail that goes absolutely nowhere, but you're going down it. Yeah, and then you'll just see me outside watering plants being, like, nothing happened. Yeah. Hey, neighbor. Like, that's, I'm meeting <laughs> neighbors. I can't believe that. I still haven't met my neighbors, and I've been here for 10 years. The art of small talk is just saying the most, like, obnoxious thing. Hot enough for you? <laughs> sure is hot today. I've never said that to anyone. Every time someone says something about the weather, I go, yeah. 
Or you walk by someone's house and you say, wow, your lawn looks great. People wow. love that. Wow. No they love it. that to me. Small talk. I can do it. I don't always want to do it, but I feel like when I'm with Max, people are always looking at me. So I'm just yeah. like, want to assure them that I'm not a teen mom. So I'm like, wow, that lawn. Because who under 50 <laughs> would care about your lawn? <laughs> As a teen mom. Me. See, I would have a shirt that says, like, he's 11 months old. His name is Max. He likes ducks. Leave me alone. I'm 35. Would, yeah, I'm 35. I would not want anyone to talk to me. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm getting better at being, as you see, outdoors, out mm-hmm. of doors. But it's not, again, it's not my nature. Yeah. So we're trying. We're trying. So usually in the episodes, we give you our recommendations for things we're loving for our mental health, things that we find cozy at the end of the episode. But this week, we're going to get it right off the bat. So you're not, you know, the people who fall off, stay and at least take something away from this. People who value us as influencers that, you know, we definitely are yeah. off the hop or like, what do they love? I need to love it too. Exactly. Yeah, this is for you. So Keeks, I got to know. What this week do you have to tell the people about things to do to feel cozy and warm inside? So last week I got a little offended because you uh, you just suggested watching Carrie Dayton, a, yeah. a love of mine. But you didn't say I it. introduced you to, and it took you a little bit to get into her, and you're like, I don't know, and then you're like telling people, don't pass it on. This was me. This was my thing. But one that I've tried to put you on, and I don't know if you're quite there yet, and she's actually more of a comfort watch to me than Carrie Dayton. She's like my OG, is a little British woman who's, again, like mid-30s, and I'm not going to lie, all the girls I watch are a little bit thick, but it's because, you know, they buy the same clothes as me, and I can see things on their body that kind of looks like my body. Um, both of them like to ride Peloton, Pelotons, which I don't really understand. Never. <laughs> I'll never relate to. But um, there's this beautiful British woman named Lucy Wood, and she just has like a quaint little home just outside of London and a cat named Florence. And her boyfriend's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> and they just do cute things. And she's she's the most like unproblematic, wholesome like, she'll go see, like, Matilda on Broadway and stuff like that. She was an interesting pick for you. And, like, I've watched her. And she does come up in my, like, recommendations. If you can't tell, we watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. That's my main source of entertainment these that days. That is my main platform. People are like, you don't watch TV in, like, maybe three episodes a week of something. But yeah. I have something going all the time. But Lucy, uh, she can skew heavily uh, booktube. And I don't even read books, and I'll still watch those. I, I find her You're so like, comforting. I don't even know how to read. If she's like, I'm going to do a 40-minute video explaining the books I want to read. Not even books she's read. She'll talk about the books she plans on reading for 40 minutes, and I'll be like, cue it up. I love her. One time she did a three-part video series on her stripping her the paint on her stairs. I thought it was stripping. I no. was like, this is a very not wholesome. <laughs> I would watch it too. Yeah. But like that's how much I love her. I'm like, I need to know the journey of her refinishing her stairs. I don't I don't know how to explain it. She's very comforting. Yeah, she is a really good watch. Yeah. I think if you're looking for like a cozy friend to hang out with, um, and like you're not vibing with Carrie's California esque life. Mm-hmm like the holiday go to go to england and hang out with lucy yeah. and if you're not a like i'm not a disney person but if you are she has very comprehensive disney vlogs where she explains like a lot 
to you and I feel like I know so much about the Disney parks and like I could navigate them really well and know all the ins and outs just from watching her vlogs. Interesting. So if you know you're interested in that that's also something to to look into. For Carrie or Lucy? For Lucy. Oh. Carrie just goes and is like we're having a girly time we're having a margarita. No Lucy's like explains all the fast passes everything to you about each area because she gets invited on like brand trips to wow. to Disney World. Interesting. I didn't know that. I'll have to dive a little bit deeper. She makes me want to go there. And then I wanted to go to New York this year. And I was like, mm, New York, it's a lot. And then she went to New York and I was like, fuck. Her vlog made it seem so good. She's so good at making th- things seem so quaint. I still think that we need to bring New York back on the table. But like an autumn in New York, like sad fall girly <laughs> New York. Evermore in the city is what I want to call it. Absolutely. Just braids and plaid. Yeah. The best down. time. But city slickers. Also <laughs> while you're there. in New York, but nobody dies. Spoiler. Yeah. On our next episode, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get to that. That's not comforting. That's not a comfort watch. I have, following along the same line as BookTube, my suggestion this week is little thing called audiobooks. <laughs> I don't know if you heard of them. I don't know. If it, so I used to be an avid reader, voracious reader. We're talking like 60 plus books a year. Yeah, I thought you'd be too pretentious for audiobooks. No, but I, since I don't have time to actually sit and read with a, a, like a, a physical book at night because husband's sleeping, baby's sleeping, I'm exhausted. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks to help me fall asleep. Yeah. And just also like while I'm doing things around the house. And for me, it helps if they're a collection of essays so that I don't really, I can dip in, jump around. And one of the essays, that uh, book of essays that I've been really loving, it came out last year, was by Casey Wilson. It's called The Wreckage of My Presence. I do want to read that. Is like, it great? It's a great read, but it's, I think, an even better audiobook. Oh, because she reads it, right? Yeah, and she's an actress, so like her intonation and inflection is really great. And it's I've been laughing out loud. There are parts where I've cried. It's so sad, but... It is probably one of the best book of essays by a celebrity that I've ever read. I've heard it was amazing. It's incredible. And I love her. I love her too. I think that'd be... Yeah, you like her podcast too, don't I you? do. I just signed up for Garbage World, which is their new like podcasting <laughs> umbrella. Oh. So when this comes out, it's probably a little bit older, but I now pay $16 Canadian a month for <laughs> exclusive access to their site. Hello, you're always like, I don't know why I don't have any money. And then you're like, I pay $17 to watch this person. Listen, money is energy, babe. It comes to me. <laughs> it just keeps coming. It flows. All those TikTok psychics say I'm getting more of it. Mm-hmm. But definitely, if you want to dip your toe into audiobooks, start with Casey, Casey Wilson. I, I think I might actually now. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, you have a road trip coming up. I do. I, is it? This is something a man would want to listen to. A good man. <laughs> a man who likes to laugh. Yeah, that's yeah. It's hard to find podcasts these days that like you can listen to on a road trip because they're not like complete ones. Like we loved S Town and right, you know, Criminal and the things that are like compact and you can either pick episodes or you can watch listen to a whole series. They're so hard to find now. That's why I would say listen to audiobooks but if you're picky like me and you need the audiobook to be like honestly just listening to a podcast yeah this is uh, casey wilson is a great place to start that's a good recommendation let's take a little break and we'll be right back with this week's movie all right we're back (laughs) 
And today we're talking about a heavy hitter. I I think maybe a heavy hitter for Julia Month, yeah. I think this is the culmination, even though it's not the last Julia movie we're watching. It's the penultimate. Maybe we should should end on this amazing note. Today we watched My Best Friend's Wedding. Amazing. Top tier romantic comedy. 1000%. I actually could see what other rom-coms were inspired by it while we were watching it and you're like that's where they got that from totally it is the blueprint it is of a, of a love triangle oh absolutely where it, it really does like subvert the plot of like guy chasing girl or girl chasing guy because yes. this whole time i don't really know if we're supposed to love julia no why don't you tell us a little bit about it okay so isn't her name in the movie Juliana or Ju- the Julianne? Jules? Julianne. So it's it's. I found it a little. <laughs> I found confusing. it not confusing at all. <laughs> well, you call her Jules, and I'm like, she there? She's probably called that in real life. So Jules is on the cusp of her 28th birthday. Just oh, an the old, hard one. old elderly, washed up, frizzled up woman. A New York Times food critic at 28. Yeah, God forbid. With a you know a waistline that has never even seen a potato, but almost neither here nor there, she gets a call from her longtime best friend and a guy she also had a love affair with, but it was brief, and they decided they were better off as friends. But they have a pact that when they turn twenty eight, they'll get married. So he calls her, basically on the eve of her twenty eighth birthday, and she's like, "This is it." We're finally going to do this. And he goes, I met somebody. I'm going to get married this weekend. <laughs> Which, right? like, I feel like it could have been more of a heads up, but sure. Uh, will you come down and be part of the wedding? Chicago. In Chicago, which plays a major role in this movie. Love it. So she quickly goes to Chicago, gets there, and learns that his fiance is a 20-year-old. Again, they're 28. A 20-year-old college student played Billionaire's by... daughter. Billionaire's daughter, yes. I feel like he does mention right off the hop, she, her dad owns the White Sox or something. Something like right that. Right off, like, was that on all of her qualities, sir? Played by, the, like, the most bubbly, effervescent, amazing Cameron Diaz. I, she's perfect. Um, who, for some reason, just loves Julia Roberts and... Just gloms onto her immediately and wants her to be her maid of honor. And then from there, Julia has to play these two sides of pretending to be supportive of Cameron Diaz and then also trying to steal her future husband from her. Yes. Played by the floppy haired uh, Prince Dermot Mulroney. Yes. So I think, like, for, for continuity's sake, we're just going to call them by their real names because they're so famous. Like, I'm not going to be like, Jules. Mike. Kimmy, Michael, we're just going to say Cameron, Julia, Dermot. Dermot. <laughs> Derm. Dermot. Okay. So this movie, I think, what is so great because I think we've all like related to seeing somebody who you like go for the, what you feel is the antithesis of you, right? Yes. Like Kimmy, for being from Chicago, she had a very Southern vibe. Like she <laughs> yeah. was wearing like Lily Pulitzer. Yeah. Sorry, I just said Kimmy and then I called whatever. Cameron Diaz's character is like so bright and bubbly and Jules is kind of this, I did it again. <laughs> whatever. You want to just, it's going to be a long podcast. It's going to be a long time. It's hot out today. What do you want? <laughs> and Julia Roberts' character is kind of masculine, like 
like menswear inspired city. You know, the big thing is she's from New York. She's from New York. Yeah. She's a little hard. They don't explain really like if she is dark in some way. They just kind of allude to like she's a little damaged. Well, they also say, and let me check my notes. She's has the trope of the um, doesn't cry. A Cameron Diaz special from yes. The Holiday. Wow. Yes. So she, they really set up this thing of she hates love. Yes. Uh, not great in relationships and doesn't cry. Mm-hmm. And then there's Cameron Diaz's character who fully admits that she was somebody who judged people for falling in love so quickly, but is just head over heels, like bubbly, so mm-hmm. effervescent. So I loved that there was, because I, I think everybody can relate to that feeling of, why does he like her or why do they mm-hmm. like them yeah. and not me? But like you're basically like on two ends of a spectrum of personality. And why did he like me and now this is his type? Exactly. Like, I don't get it. Absolutely. But before we get into all the intricacies of this love triangle, that is pretty much just one going one way from Julia Roberts. Uh, I want to know some facts about this movie because I didn't look anything up other than you sent me a TikTok that also blew my mind. Yes. I love facts and data. Sorry, I got a little excited and wanted to talk about the plot. My Best Friend's Wedding came out in 1997, directed by PJ Hogan, who wrote and directed a movie that we both love, Muriel's Wedding, Mm -hmm. which is just a fantastic movie, which we have to do one day. We will. And it makes everything about the movie make more sense and like why I connect with it more because Muriel's Wedding meant so much to me. Yeah. And it makes sense why it's a little more like, unhinged and a little more raw and oh i love it yeah if runaway bride is the gary marshall like very predictable this movie is like i don't really know where we're going with this movie until the end i love it it was written by ron bass who also wrote such movies as get this rain man (laughs) waiting to exhale and another julia classic stepmom love that movie love it that will definitely come up again one day because that is a comfort watch. Oh, for sure. The budget for this movie was $38 million. It made $298.9 million U.S. at so the box office. less than Runaway Bride? I think so. It was like 300 and I'm a little shocked. I'm not because this that actually sets this up perfectly because at the time, this movie was a much needed hit for Julia. So I went in and looked at what she was doing beforehand because... We're essentially two years before Runaway Bride, mm-hmm. six years after the success of Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. But in the middle, she's had some, I don't want to say flops, but I don't think anything that you would really be like, oh yeah, the Julia movie, like Mary Riley yeah. or Michael Collins or something to talk Still about. Still Magnolia's in that time? Yes, but I think she's that's... like a, a side character. Yes. yes. So this movie really, I think, was the much needed hit that Julia needed to get back on that like a-list yeah i mean she's already a-list but well maybe she wasn't i was barely alive i was like what 10 <laughs> i wasn't like clocking her no I, I was more clocking who was doing well in the pairs figure skating at the olympics and less about where julia roberts was at that time yeah but then when you look at what she came up with next like runaway bride and then america's sweethearts and then aaron brockovich this really was like a turning point for the Julia that we know, who never misses, really. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit, because when I found out this little tidbit, that Julia was not the first choice for the role. Oh, I did not know this. Guess who was? Andy S- McDowell. SJPP's 
Sarah Jessica Parker. I've said they they could be interchangeable in some scenarios. I don't know if I see it here. I almost think that she could be Kimmy. I she's, could see that. She's little and bubbly and scratchy, and I think she could be Kimmy, but... We always, if you've listened to our previous episodes, we've said that Sarah Jessica Parker could probably do Pretty I, Woman. I she could do Pretty Woman, yes. A thousand percent. But uh, SJPPs, which we, we lovingly call her, <laughs> I'm sure she would hate that. <laughs> She turned it down because 1987 was just when Sex and the City was taking off. That was probably the right call. I think it was. So once Julia was attached to it, that's when she had a hand in picking the other leads. So she like basically handpicked Dermot Mulrooney, and then uh, she picked Cameron Diaz. But Cameron Diaz was not the first pick for the role. Who was? Julia essentially took production and steered them away from Drew Barrymore. That's who I thought it was going, like it should be. I Not should be, it. but could be. I think the knowing that Drew and Cameron are very similar and best yes. friends in real life, you could definitely see it. Yeah, she has that aloof playfulness to her, but I think she would have been like a, not as clean cut or they couldn't have made her as like, I don't know, preppy. I feel like it would have been like more that he met this like hippie. Yeah, I think, and I, how do I say this like the right way? Cameron is essentially a living Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the mask, there's something about Mary. Yes. Like, she's so statuesque and, like, tall and bubbly. She was a, she was a sex symbol at the time. Yeah. Whereas Drew Barrymore was all of, like, us indie people, indie girls, were like, she's fucking hot. Like, if you were a little bi-curious in your teens, it was Drew Barrymore. I, I, I don't know about If, if that. you were a dude, it was, it was Cameron Diaz. But, like, the way that... Some Drew Barrymore movies posited her was the anti-romantic lead. Like, never been kissed, she was the girl who was picked on. Yes. Ever after, she's the one looked looked over. Mm-hmm. And I think that Cameron definitely had the gravitas to do the shiny girl that everybody, well, I don't want to say everybody, but like men would probably like drool, you know, drool over and stumble over. Yes. That's even coming across a little insensitive, but I hope that everybody meet like understands what I'm saying in the context of the 90s, especially. Oh, yeah. And also not that we support that like that is that whole thing is a thing that men do enjoy this like young, innocent, clean cut little girl version of yeah. people. We don't love that about it, but that's that's what is a thing. It's a thing. But even stylistically, when I think of 90s, Drew, I think of Daisy's in the hair. Thin, thin brows. Yes. Like, I think of Boys on the Side, Drew. Yes. Which, great movie. <laughs> but I think it was really interesting that they went for Cameron. I also don't think she needed it for her career. She was carrying movies. I know I'm always going to bring up Scream because it's a movie I know the most about. They put her on the front uh, of the movie because they thought people will want to see it because she's a huge star, even though she, spoiler, it's been 20, 30 years. She dies within the first 10 minutes, but she's the biggest face on the the front because she had big star power at that time. So I don't think Drew needed to be in this. I think she'd be busy somewhere else. Another, you know, casting trivia that I think not many people would know about. So PJ Hogan, the director I believe it's Australian, so this next part makes sense. Yes. So for casting purposes, he asked his friend Russell Crowe to read for the role of Michael. 
So I don't know if everybody knows this would have been Chrissy's dream movie. Oh SJP my god. Yes. In a rom com with Russell Crowe and Drew Barrymore. I would have loved it. That would have been that is my holy trinity. <laughs> I love Russell Crowe. And I will defend his Lay Miz performance to my grave. Yeah, I I mean I don't oh, I, I love a fat Russell Crowe. I love a fit Russell Crowe. You love all Russell Crowe's. I, I love think all Russell oh. The kind of love you have for Russell Crowe is the kind of love everyone wants for themselves. He's just perfect. To you. To me. Yeah. And that's all that matters. <laughs> oh, I would have loved it. I'm trying to think Russell Crowe at that time. One was Gladiator. I th- 99, I think. I so think we're looking been... at LA Confidential Russell Crowe right now. That's, mm, he's a little hard. He's a little rough around the edges. He's a little hard. Yeah, I don't think we would have believed that he was a sports writer for Sport Magazine. <laughs> I would have believed we went, hello, I'm from Sport Magazine. Do you remember Rooney has like this, the floppy hair boyish, like he looks fantastic in this movie. I gotta say. A weird plot point, well, this is the TikTok that I sent you, which I feel like is overhearing every movie that we're about to watch. Mm-hmm. Rupert Everett's role as George the gay best friend and editor for Julia was originally supposed to be named Digger and he was a much more secondary role. Originally, Julia had posited Benicio Del Toro as the role of Digger. Interesting. Which, no disrespect to Benicio Del Toro, love him in Sicario, but I don't see him as having the comedy chops for that role. No. And once they got to know, uh, I think, Rupert Everett and the dynamic, they then they rewrote the role specifically to have George in it more. Which I think is, he's the standout to me. Performance. Performance. For, absolutely. I loved him. The whole time I've been like, did I know he was hot? Well, there's, okay, so there's a thing that you pointed out specifically too of George and uh, Michael... Dermot Mulroney and Rupert Everett have a very similar floppy hair white man thing. I have like white boy blindness though where I can't tell them apart. One's just much taller and one's a little more tanned, but they're they're very similar. I remember being little and thinking, why is he calling her from another city? Why? I don't understand. They were just on a boat together. I remember being confused and I explained how when... uh, Boromir died at the end of Lord of the Rings and then Aragorn showed up. I was like, he just died because they all look the same to me. Yeah, there's something very similar, but I mean. One's British and gay. Yeah. (laughs) And I probably should have more context clues. I think and I think for 1997, that was a pretty, I think, I don't know if we're in a Will and Grace time period then, but that was very progressive. Yeah. And he doesn't, he didn't seem, no one seemed put off by the concept that he could be gay like no. when he said i always thought you were gay he wasn't like Ugh. yeah i think he just was like i don't know why you're dating her i thought you were gay totally yeah it seemed very open-minded and especially as like such a leading character in that like yeah like he's like fourth build probably exactly yeah um one of the other things that when we were watching you and i were thinking is this a wig is this reshoots we could, it, it was. was. Yes, I know. That's crazy. So the ending originally ended with Julia Roberts meeting John Corbett mm-hmm. at the wedding and kind of having this neat cute of then she finds love, but test audiences 
hated it. So they rewrote the ending, had to reshoot it, and had it end the way it is with, you know, her and George just dancing and being like, yes, we'll figure it out. You'll find love one day. I had this written down about it that I'm so shocked that they didn't have a love interest for her. And I think mm-hmm. even when I was little, I was like, maybe he won't be gay forever and they will get together. Maybe he's not gay for her. So I think that, like, we are definitely of the Disney age or, like, the movie age where if someone didn't end up with somebody at the end of a movie, I was like, well, it's not really over yet. Yeah, exactly. And so I, in my mind, was like, while we were watching, I was like, okay, this is 27 Dresses, this movie. It's very similar to 27 Dresses, except there's no love interest to distract. Right. There's the... The Rupert Everett character is gay, so he can't be a love interest. But in 27 Dresses, it's... James Marsden. It's James Marsden. And that eventually they do fall in love. But it's kind of the same concept. The person that you want to be with, someone else takes and they're like blonder and cuter and not at all right for them and you don't get it. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's the whole same thing. But the whole point of that movie is you're like rooting for her and James Marsden to get together. Yeah, which I think is why this movie was so interesting for its time. Yeah. Because it didn't really follow that that direction. And it it really made us not love Julia's character. I, yeah. I honestly think if it was written now, she would get out of the cab in New York and she would accidentally bump into a guy. And then... He'd be cute and she'd go like, oh, sorry. And then there'd be like an eyes meet and then it would end. You wouldn't know how they got together. But they literally gave nothing. They were like, no, she's alone. I thought that was perfect. I, no, it's, that's, that's why I love this movie. It's completely different. But I feel like now they would do that. They would. And that's why they did. They had John Corbett. But I feel like they would have at least gave a hint of like, she'll be OK. Don't worry. She's not alone. She's not a spinster. Yeah, at 28. At 28. Oh, no, never going to love again at 28. I love that if we don't get married before we're 28. Before you're 20, I know I did, but I did most that. people. No, oh. but most, I feel like this movie really set up that kind of packed thing of like, if we're both not married when we're 40. Like, I felt like 40 was always kind of that age where you pick, like we've ran the gamut. I was convinced I would be that type of person that I would have like, but now it turns out I have no platonic friendships with men. Right. <laughs> and I was always in long-term relationships. There was no, if we're ever this age, we are this age and we're going to get married. I never had that, but I always thought it, my life would be like this movie. Well, that's a good point. I think watching it back then, I don't really, I, I couldn't really understand why. I mean, they had this really intense friendship, but they hadn't talked in a while. Like they were, like, I think it's, it's really reminiscent of that time in your 20s where you could be close friends with guys. Yeah. Because everybody was kind of in the same stage of life. Yeah. No one had really like split up. And like, I think about it now, I have one platonic male friend, straight male friend. That's it. And we don't talk all the time. No. But he's still one of my, I would say, closest friends. When they never talk about the last time they saw each other or like they always talk about these travels and like, when did they travel? Yeah. When was that? And the way that they posited it too was they were maybe college friends. So we're yeah. talking about 18 to 28, so a decade. It was, Well, she said, I've been in love with you for nine years so, since she was 19. Right. So that like one month where they were hot and heavy was 19 years old. But then they talked about making out 
in Rome or something. So I don't know. Was that also in that month? It was the timeline didn't track for me. They they fit in a lot of traveling and I mean, of course, everybody has inside jokes with their friends from that time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I it made me kind of sad to think like, oh, about that time where my best friends were guys. And then I yeah. just like see them on Instagram when they have babies and get married, <laughs> yeah. you know? I know. Mm. It's kind of like that with all friendships when you get older. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> not for you everyone wants to be your friend no not men <laughs> no 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 they want to date you no they don't <laughs> well um could you be in love with someone for nine years and oh. and not like not act on it oh have you met me like yes absolutely <laughs> so interesting thing about me not that interesting i don't think i'm a very late bloomer in terms of relationships that's true but i had very intense crushes really intense that i never acted on or if i did act on it was only when i was drunk and would get like liquid courage and be like why don't you want to be with me but i could definitely i think i have there was a time maybe not nine years actually no maybe it was nine (laughs) years of like 16 to 26 where i was like obsessed with somebody and i didn't know why he wouldn't date me their friend's brother oh no so there's two of this (laughs) No, that so wow. there's a couple. Yeah, there are a couple people who were much older than me, mm-hmm. and I was like 17, 16, and didn't understand why they wouldn't date me. And I, now I look back, I'm like, oh, because it's illegal. Yeah, thank God they didn't. But I definitely held candles so long for people. Yeah, and then yeah, when they finally did settle down with somebody, they were kind of these women who I was just like, I've come to learn now. If that's what you like, then you are never gonna really like me. Yeah. Not saying you don't like me, but you don't like me in that romantic way yeah but they were the kimmies they were the the women who are gonna give them everything that they wanted that i couldn't give them yeah i'm a big jewels i'm a big jewels you are yeah i was gonna tell the story about when i finally got together with the guy that i had pined for for a really long time let's go babes this is one (laughs) of my favorite stories (laughs) it's not a great story it's not but it's great for me so on the first week of grade nine first week of high school i met two boys one was a drummer, one was a bassist. I ended up dating the bassist. Were they in the same band? Different bands, okay. oddly enough. I just but wanted to they, clear. They were clarify. good friends. I ended up dating the bassist for three years almost until he cheated on me and everyone knew about it and it basically broke me and I can never love again. You're married. I I am. She's married. She's, she's doing fine. I'm fine. But I, even throughout that relationship... I would go to like the shows of the drummer and like stand in the front row and try to lock eyes with him the whole time. So I still hard had a... to do with a drummer. <laughs> he never hard he, to lock eyes didn't with even a drummer. Know I existed. So then <laughs> I'm just thinking of you like his hands are flailing in front of his face and you're yeah. just like trying to get he was direct eye contact on. He was sweating. He didn't know I was there, but I for years like just held out for him, and then. We ended up at university at the same time, and a friend was like, hey, he's in a class that he might be able to help you with, like, a project I had, because for some reason I wasn't very good good at university. Oh, no, (laughs) you don't say. (laughs) So I met up with him. I had a boyfriend at the time. He helped me with my project. I was flirty. He had no idea. He, again, nothing. Then we ended up in a class together, and we started doing the, like, sitting next to each other because we watched movies in that class and like kind of touching each other's hands again had a boyfriend that i owned a home with 
I didn't know this part. You didn't know this part? I'm not very good with timelines unless they're Marvel timelines. So, <laughs> so then I broke up with my boyfriend because I was like, I need to pursue this finally. Moved home with my parents. And this guy was like, yeah, no, I don't want to date you. So I moved back in with my boyfriend. Wait, we are learning so many new things. You didn't know that? I thought you broke up with him for the boss. No, that's the second time. Yeah. I wasn't That'll a, be I wasn't a very good girlfriend, but to be fair, this, you were very young. This guy I was dating, I was like a ghost in our house. He didn't even know I existed unless I was making him a meal. And then he would eat it while he was on his phone and then be like, I'm going to go play a video game. Like I did not exist to him. So um, I was always looking around. <laughs> Sounds like a dream relationship, though, to me. <laughs> well, now now that I look back, I'm like, I had so much free time. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to, like, put a lot of energy into my friendships. And then, yes, I eventually moved out again permanently. And a mutual friend told the guy that I had been pining for that I was, like, actually absolutely single. Like, not, not going back. Wasn't going to happen. And he pursued me. So just for reference, you're what, 24, 25? 24, yeah. This is when I met you. This is when you met me, yeah. Again. I, well, I had multiple guys in the go during that time because I was just... Oh, it was my favorite time. It was my favorite time for you. It the year of D. Yeah. I had a try, try mall. Listen, 20s are for hoeing and growing, and you did a lot in that year. <laughs> I saw a lot of things. But please continue. So we finally like start hanging out and he is a total fucking weirdo. He cuz he'd never really been in a relationship. This whole time I thought he just doesn't like me. No, he is just doesn't know how to talk to people, talk to women. Um several times I'd be like, "It's okay if you're a virgin. You just have to tell me." And he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not." He absolutely was, which is fine, but it made him very uncomfortable. He didn't know how to, like, I don't know, just be with yeah. a person. And then one day, while we were naked in bed, I turned to him and said, clearly we just don't fit. And I got out of bed, and I never saw him again. I thought, no, I, hang on a second. You brought me to a restaurant. This is going to be a long podcast. To watch, to watch him play, play drums. the drums. And I was like, oh, a drummer. But you can't play drums in a restaurant, so he literally played a box. Yeah, he had this wooden box that he would just... He sat on in his on. shiny basketball shorts. Yes. And he played it. Are we going to talk about the injury he sustained with you? <laughs> it culminated in a... I guess, like, we're talking about my best friend's wedding, but there's kind of, like, a something about Mary injury to the yes. male appendage. Well, his nickname... So we always had nicknames amongst our group of the people that we were dating. His nickname was Boppet. Okay. Because he required a lot of... Pull it, twist it. Mm, yeah, a lot of attention, which then caused a little bit of torsion. And then... Uh, a hospital visit. A hospital visit. So I just decided we didn't we didn't go well together. And I think no guy wants to hear that. And yeah, he never talked to me again. But isn't it so interesting? Like, yours is kind of like a... Um... A Wizard of Oz man behind the curtain. Like the whole time you were like just on this quest to think like, what's it with me? Yeah. And then you met him. Then you got to know him and you're like, oh, nothing's wrong with me. No. Mine were kind of like the, I got so close. Yeah. And then it was really just a case of I'm not that other woman. Like I, I don't have those traits that she possesses. And thank God I don't because my life would not have been the same. I don't think I would have the same career. 
no. had I settled down with these guys. But um, yeah, I think the the central theme of this movie of pining for someone because you don't really have your shit together, you thinking timing is an issue, mm-hmm. and then it really being this thing of I'm never gonna be her. Yeah. But one of the things that this movie doesn't really pick up on is when can they be friends after all the stuff that this happens? Yeah. And it's interesting. We were talking about Kimmy's Kimmy and Cameron being so bubbly towards Jules, but she said in the movie that she did it to keep her close because yeah. she knew she was threatened by her. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever been in that situation? Not exactly. Well, I was going to ask, like, yeah, have you ever tried to break anybody up? Well, no. I've I've never kept, like, my enemies close or something like that. No. I've never tried to break someone up intentionally. I have. Tell. Well, it wasn't as... I'm not as manipulative or creative as Jules. Right. Um, But my best friend (laughs) was dating a guy. And one night he got drunk and told me, I only date her so I can hang out with you. (gasps) So I convinced him to break up with her. And then she didn't talk to me for three years. Oh, but now I've seen her give birth. Like we, we rectified the situation, but yeah, no. Wow. Okay. Um, I was a broke, hurt people, hurt well, people. Well, I also, I you were in your teens. Okay. I was 17. I feel like. I had a mullet and a lip ring and I didn't know myself at all. One of the things that I think this movie is kind could kind of get away with being a mess and messy like that is because she's 28. She's still in her 20s, right? Yes. There is a, like a threshold of being chaotic energy. You're in your teens, you're figuring it out. Yeah. Borderlining 30 and pulling this shit to this level that she does in the movie is different. It's just like established life, career, exactly. everything. They don't, you know, it doesn't go as far as the Richard Gere with, she doesn't have a cat or anything like that. Yeah. You never see her apartment, but you have to assume. She has a life. She has a life. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still, I think, late 20s, maybe like a final surge of messiness before. I mean, you can be a mess in your 30s too, but the, I think the people dismissing it as youthful ignorance is lower. Mm-hmm. Have you ever dated somebody who had a female best friend? I <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. That guy that I pined after, he did. And I found out later that he had confessed that he was in love with her. So you did. So I did, <laughs> but she has since gone on to get married, have babies, and he's, I think he's still single. I wonder if he tried to best friends wedding her. <laughs> Maybe. They used to, even when, like, in the brief time we were together, like, they went on a trip together. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it was very, I was like, really? You're going to do that? I don't think I would be, I don't think I've, I've ever dated somebody who had a female best friend. I think I was the female best friend. Yeah. But I'm I, sure nobody enjoyed that. Yeah. I can't really speak for it, but wow. Yeah, you did. That's really interesting. Yeah. She also threatened me in a bathroom once. I was like, if you hurt him. And I was like, he doesn't even like me. Doesn't even Frizzy know. haired food critic. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that food critic is like almost a diss on that sentence. I mean. They're like, yeah. She's after. also a, a billionaire's daughter, so she's fine. Yeah. Do you have any recasts, like people you'd want to cast instead? Or like, well, I don't know. Well, I feel like if we were doing this today, if we were remaking the movie today, I would love it if they were a bit older, like 38 mm. instead of 28. Okay. So, because I feel like 28, getting married, thinking you were going to end up with somebody at 28 because you had a pact is a little bit whatever. 
But I think 38 would have been like, oh, we were, it has more time to be like, it's always been us. Yes. And then maybe that could be the disruptor. Well, I think the, the they should have both had like divorces under their belts or long-term relationships to be like, it was always you. Right. And they said in the movie that they never really used love with another person. Yeah. I guess the equivalent that I'm thinking of is really Man of Honor with Patrick Dempsey <laughs> and yeah. Michelle Monaghan, where yeah. he's the the best man or best, you know, man of honor. And mm-hmm. he, and he's trying to ruin that. And they're a little older. Yes. So there's been much more time together. Yes. I said in the role of Michael, Chris Messina. Oh, yeah. I wrote, well, the best while Chris. we were watching it, I was like, he seems like he should be a little more Italian. Yeah. Just Italian. Because you're Chicago. I feel like he should be a little more Italian. I guess he's not from Chicago, though, is he? I don't know where he's from. No. Heaven, probably. <laughs> but in the roles of the women... I think really like Kimmy today could be anybody stunningly gorgeous. Yeah. So Zendaya. (laughs) No, I would put Zendaya as really Julia, even though she's very young. And Sydney Sweeney or something as the bubbly. Oh my god, that was that'd be a great movie, but not (laughs) Christmasina. Let's put someone else a little younger. I don't know who's popular these days. For the youngsters? Noah, whatever his name is? I don't know. No, I don't think anyone would try to break up a movie. Uh, maybe Miles Teller? Ooh. Okay, I think he... I don't know. His face to me just says cocky, but sure. But he has a sports bro thing about him, right? He, no, that's true. He does. So if I was older, I would say Chris Messina, and then, I don't know, anyone else who I love could be in that movie, but younger, let's say, Miles Teller, Zendaya... Sydney Sweeney. Interesting. But that'd be very close to Euphoria, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I haven't watched Euphoria, and I don't know how any of them are on screen. Fantastic. <laughs> so just know that. Take my word for it. <laughs> Who did you have? So I didn't pick, like, based on time or age, so it could be any combination. I thought for Mike, I would have picked, I thought maybe Keanu at a time could have okay. done it. He's not as, he's. I guess he's warm enough. I just think he has, like, he has the same look, and I think that he has that, like, you know the part where Kimmy's singing and he's just, like, staring at her? Listen. Listen. Thank no you for bringing this up. No one's ever looked at me like that Thank before. you so much for bringing this up. <laughs> because I felt that my heart melt whenever yeah. I saw the way he looked at her. Yeah. He had some of the best subtle facial acting yes. I've ever seen a man that's, do. That's true. Like, they should teach it in schools. That's true. I don't think Keanu has subtle facial acting, but I feel like I could picture him staring at someone lovingly and you'd believe it. And then Bill Pullman, of course. You always put forward Bill Pullman. Pause it is my word of the day. He's he's the everyman. I think he could fit into any position. I could believe him in that a little. I feel like he'd be a little, bring a little bit more like chaos to the role, a little more um, unrefinement. Like, I feel like you don't really actually know that much about Mike. This doesn't get paid a lot, but like, you can't read a lot by his clothes. You don't know where he lives, what his living situation is like. Well, you know, he lives on the road. He's basically following sports teams around. Yeah. So he's probably living out of a suitcase. I feel like there'd be more like coffee in his hands and him being more. Something about like being just running on empty all the time. Like he, you don't really hear a lot. Well, this it. is the thing about journalists and movies. It's always kind of like they're either have cigarettes, which <laughs> yeah. which Julia does. Yeah, she's smoking a lot. Yeah, coffee, 
Yeah. And uh, Strange Hours, which is true. Yeah. But it makes more sense. Like, I would say she's more of the stereotypical journalist. Yes. But he's he has that but that, that boyish foppishness. Yeah. He nails it. Yeah, it's true. I also had Gerard Butler for him. Listen, we have to stop trying to make Gerard Butler a thing. I love Gerard Butler. I believe him. Like in PS I Love You, I believe he's in love. Oh, absolutely in that movie. Yeah. That one and only movie. <laughs> he's the Phantom. Um, but I more was excited because I think Rupert Everett is such a great role and to recast him. One I had Billy Eichner, which is I think like I don't know, the best gay. Mm -hmm. But I also thought Justin Long would have been great. As Michael? No, as Rupert Everett, as George. You know I love Justin Long. I know. But I think he would have been, I think he would have done the sing-alongs. I think he would have, I think he would have believed that he truly loves Julia and that he cares about her and that he's, I don't know, I think he has the charisma to do it. Yeah, charisma in spades. I think he could have done Michael's role. But do you, you, I, you I know said what yesterday, mean. your, what, 10-year-old niece said she didn't believe that women would fight over, over German Mulroney. Would women listen, fight over Justin Long? I know you would. I know yeah. you and Kate Bosworth would fight over him. Andrew but. Barrymore. Um, so this is the thing. So, yes, my niece, Abby, is 10 years old, and she's, like, dipping her toe. My sister is, like, on this mission to teach her or show her all the movies that we love. But German Mulroney's... Tall, dark, and handsome is really a very mature kind of look compared to like when you're 10 and looking at like, who was it for us? Taylor Hansen. Yeah, that's true. Me, listen, I just rewrote this movie. Okay. <laughs> Zach Efron as yes. Michael. No. Bowen Yang as. Yes, George. George. Yeah. The women, I'm kind of blanking on a little bit. <laughs> Maybe Alexandra Daddario as Kimmy. I don't even know who that is. White Lotus season one, the journalist. Big oh. boobs, blue eyes. She's like the most perfect boobs. Like yeah. If I went to a doctor, I'd be like, these boobs. And if I could somehow get different eyes, I'd be yeah. like, these Those eyes. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> these eyes, these boobs. Please match both. And then for a Jules, I would still say, I would still say maybe a, a Zendaya. I just didn't even recast Julia Roberts because I think this is like, I, I think she's perfect in this role most perfect in everything yeah it has to it could ju- it's just anybody who's like vanessa from the little mermaid like <laughs> perfect from the sea like <laughs> megan markle would be a kimmy oh yeah kate middleton is the kimmy sure who are other examples jennifer aniston a, Ju- a jewels i was gonna say she would be a good <laughs> no really i think i think jennifer aniston has that like accessible beauty yeah but in the 90s charlie's theron is a kimmy reese witherspoon is a kimmy reese witherspoon is a kimmy. she would have been sandra a sandra bullock is the jewels oh well yeah i think that in every movie with julia roberts sandra bullock could jennifer lopez jewels sure yeah but she could go either way yeah depends on yeah not now now she'd be like i'm not playing that person i'm the lead Are you, but back yeah. then i feel like she could have absolutely been a kimmy uh, Jennifer Lawrence is a Jules. Yes. Um, Nicole Kidman is a Kimmy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're casting people. I think it would. Never no, but be I. Cast. No, but no, but I feel like there's the distinction of like, are you the one chasing or are you the chased? Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Whereas you know, in in everybody's always chasing all of those people, but like, yes. 
there's a I don't want to say like a, a toughness about some of these what, women who would be a jewels that would be that people in this book another book I almost recommended um, by Jesse Klein it's called I'll show myself out or you'll grow out of it one day she categorizes women as either wolves or poodles oh. and like a wolf can't be a poodle no matter how hard they try and a poodle can't be a wolf I'm absolute I'm not even a poodle I'm a fucking corgi <laughs> I'm a French bulldog. I'm the the fat, tired version of a poodle. Like, Angelina Jolie is a poodle. Is she? Yeah. Why wouldn't she be? Even if you put her in a paper bag with no makeup on, you'd be like, those features, that's a poodle. Oh, I thought it was like, poodles are dumb. No. Poodles are very smart. That's why they're one of like the service animals. But then the other version's a cougar? What is it? A wolf. <laughs> what do wolves do? But they're like smart, but not no, pretty. No, they're still beautiful, but there's like this like energy about a wolf that's there's like a third category for people. Corgis? Yeah. It's just you? Yeah. Oh man. We this... can take that part out. But <laughs> um usually like, yeah, a third everyone's either a wolf, a poodle, or a potato. And I'm hard potato energy. Let's take a break and we'll come back with even more talk about my best friend's wedding. All right. So when we talk about movies from the 90s, it was a different time. And not everything aged well. Uh, in this movie, did you find anything like problematic or like, oof, I don't think they would do that now? So I just want to say on my, like from my point in my, you know, white woman position, I didn't notice anything too bad except for some, maybe some tropes about um being gay or masculinity like some things like that but there was some references towards technology that i was dying (laughs) yeah when she said i have to check my dance card because it's on powerbook i know and when she goes to send an email (laughs) and instead of writing an email address she just types his name Mm -hmm. and just sport magazine imagine just like queen of england Yes, ma'am. And there's, <laughs> there's no scene where she puts an at, not even no. at AOL. And like, I feel like we were in the AOL age. Maybe they couldn't get sponsorships or like advertising yeah. clearance. Mm-hmm. But when she, like, when she, I was losing my mind over that, how did that get allowed? She's just like editor, sport magazine, and just assumes that the internet, in its yeah. divine wisdom, is going to just know where to send it. I gave it. it enough information. It'll find them. It killed me. Also, the cell phone work in this movie is top-notch. I love that everyone has a leather case on their cell phones. Did your... My, my parents did. I To me, I'm just like, that's... It's gross. I bet that thing is so gross. But it was... We always have these movies that we watched in the 90s where we're like, a cell phone would have fixed this or something. Yeah. And... There's, I, I think it was just interesting to see way, the way she uses a cell phone in this mm-hmm. case. Like, not to call Michael on his cell phone, to call George on his cell phone. Yes. She steals a truck. It just, like, it's just so funny. But for me, when I just saw some of the references to technology, I was like, I can imagine a younger person watching this and being like, what the hell? Is, what's a fax? Yeah. Where the, who, who's faxing what? Amazing. That was brilliant. Or the fact that... The billionaire man left his laptop, a laptop, <laughs> in an office and didn't bring it home with him. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. This is his daughter's wedding the next day. True. On a Sunday. Yeah, he's six. like, tomorrow's Sunday. It's like, well, you're working on a Saturday, sir. That's right. It's so funny. That's really the one thing that stood out to me as like, did not age well. Yeah. That's so true. Funny. I thought there was going to be, there was some, I was like, no, everything else seemed 
from but, my eyes. Yeah, obviously. Other than lack of diversity in yeah, the Yeah, typical everyone's white. <laughs> That's always yeah. going to be there, but it yeah. It was so funny. A sport magazine editor. <laughs> I thought it was a joke when they said sport magazine. Like, they really couldn't think of anything. No. Like, it couldn't be called, like, Swish or Goal. Mag- like, sport. Sport magazine. That's amazing. So funny. So, do you want to talk about your favorite scene in the movie? Okay. There are a few. I, first of all, love the sing-along in the restaurant. Yeah, that's what I have Barry the Cuda well. restaurant. Yeah. It was, I think, you know, we usually talk about soundtrack, but we didn't really talk about soundtrack because a lot of the soundtrack in this movie is through them singing. That's what I wrote. Like, I don't recall any other songs other than the songs that they sing. And how many times do you think they break into song in this movie? Five times? Quite a few. There's even, like, the kids with the helium... The brunch, the karaoke, but there's other times too. The the, the opening credits is wishing and hoping, mm-hmm. but I think there's not really compared to Pretty Woman or compared to Notting Hill or compared to Runaway Bride, maybe a song that's that stands out alone as the marketing for the movie. But the the sing along in the restaurant is fantastic rom com lore, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Yes. My favorite scene that broke my heart, and I almost cried when we were watching really? it, was when they're dancing on the boat, and yeah. you just know that she's like kind of saying goodbye to him in a way, and yeah. he's admitting that he's saying goodbye to a part about her, yeah. by, and it just breaks my heart. Yeah, and then she immediately goes and sends an email to Edward at Sport Magazine or whatever, Eric. right after, yeah. and it's like, what? That was yeah. like such a beautiful moment. I feel... I was actually thinking that when we were watching it, I feel like the scene was kind of misplaced because it seemed like a resolution happened on the boat. But yeah. it, it somehow just lit a fire under her. Because maybe she's sensing that he feels it a little bit too, that he yeah. always thought that she was always going to be there. Yeah. So, and again, in terms, he's singing The Way You Look Tonight as to in, her. Yeah, I was going to say they're singing there as well. Yeah. yeah. And then she gifts them that song. And that just made my heart. Like, I love I love feeling so happy and sad at the same time. Yeah. That Even was though my it was a little stand-o. bit of a dig being like, you can have our song on loan. I'd be like, don't fucking remind me you guys have a song. Well, she never said our song. She's like, this is on loan. Like, mm-hmm. so people have to put the pieces together that it's their song. Also, what 28-year-olds do you know in the 90s who had The Way You Look Tonight as their <laughs> song? I don't know. It's a very mature song. It's a very Do you have mature, a song? Like, with my husband? Yeah. No. Oh. I don't think so. Yeah. Do you have a song? Uh, yes, actually. And it's a very old song. Uh, you Send Me by Sam Cooke. Yeah. So, I take that back. That's an even older song than yeah. The Way You Look Tonight. <laughs> No, we don't have a song. But that whole through line of their song and the dancing on the boat, oh, so romantic. That's my favorite. Yeah, mine was the the singing at, at the Barracuda restaurant. Or the part where George, she says, George just flew in to fuck me. That was <laughs> that so was unexpected. The, that was my favorite line of the entire movie. I don't remember it being in there. There are no other cursing in the entire movie other than the word bitch. There's no curse words. And then she just says, the fuck? me yeah i oh i loved it i do think i heard somewhere that like you can have one fuck in a movie and keep it pg so i guess they're like we gotta use we have a deficit of fuck yeah so let's use it the karaoke song singing part where cameron looks so uncomfortable yeah but and then you see jeremy Mulroney just like 
fawning over her yeah. is so good too. Absolutely. Well, that's when you're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you want him back. Like he's done. He's gone. He's a goner. Absolutely. So good. Everything about it I thought was great. The pacing's pretty good. It does get slow in the middle there a little bit when they're on the boat and after that. But everything about it was, there's a good chase, a great chasing. Oh, one of the best love chasings. A, I love a chase. Them running across the lawn and they're like, oh, they're so cute together. And they're like, who's that? Oh, that's the, the girl. Maid of Honor. That's the Maid of Honor. She's from New York. Yes. And they're just running across a field. <laughs> there was it. one part, um, we talked about this, that made us laugh. Um, because you, you kind of are like, how is he going to forgive her for these, the, I mean, you could you could forgive maybe her being a little insecure and like I don't know trying to spend more time with him, but the 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 line in the sand is really when she tries to get him fired. Yeah. And then when he just says, "But I guess something along the lines of like, but thank you for loving me that much to try and like ruin my wedding or something yeah. like that." I was like, no, "No, nobody would ever say that." No, I have no use for you. Goodbye. That Absolutely. was so silly. Like that one scene, I was like, well, how are they going to actually tie it up? But they did. Everybody is very forgiving in this movie. I honestly feel like the entire plot of point of her trying to get him fired wasn't entirely necessary. They could have just amped up the dad wanting him to work there part and made it seem more like he wasn't having a choice. And it, it wouldn't have felt so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt very wrong. It, it was uh, definitely in real life would have been something I don't think you can come back from of like that kind of level of. And the embarrassment that he has to feel now going back to work. That like yeah. a, a woman just. Oh, that was just my best friend trying to break up my marriage. She's crazy. Man. Yeah, she's crazy. She's got red hair. She's wild. He has nobody inside jokes. So good. Wow. My last question for you <laughs> is who, what character do you relate to the most? Do Julia, we even need to Julia. say? Julia. I would never be so duplicitous as to try and break up a wedding, but I do recall being the person who pines in in the relationship. Yes. Or in the friendship, and it's just like, pick me, choose me, <laughs> well, marry she, me. She says a similar line to that, and yes. we're like, whoa, Grey's Anatomy. Just the blueprint for Grey's Anatomy. Absolutely. Which... There is something so, like, I think, like, everyone's like, why would a woman ever beg a man? But it, if you have to ask, <laughs> they don't want to do it, you know? If you got to ask them to pick you instead, they're not going to pick you. No. And this is also, like, a trend throughout the movies. Spoiler, we will be watching Notting Hill. Right. And other than Pretty Women, she ends up, she begs men in all of the movies to take her back. In Runaway Bride, she shows up at his place. In Notting Hill, it's, you know, the I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. It's always her trying to get these men. And we always talk about how, like, everyone falls in love with her. But it's, no. I think at one point everybody loves her and then she fucks it up. There is a, a coldness. I don't want to say, no. Not a coldness, but there is a, a wall up a little bit with Julia in movies. Yes. Like, she is that woman who's got kind of got, like, a little bit of a tough exterior. Yeah. And I think even maybe publicly she she keeps a persona where we know she's a movie star yeah we don't know that much about her literally nothing we see her when she comes out to promote things but we don't we're never oversaturated with her no which is probably key to her success yeah and i think even like her brother and her niece Mm -hmm. emma roberts ever having things about them probably makes 
her uncomfortable because every once in a while they make it into the press. But I feel like in the beginning we tied those two together, like Emma and Julia. Yeah. And now I feel like it You don't even think about it. No. No. She's crossed Nepo baby thresholds of just like, oh yeah, they have the same last name. Yeah. Who do you relate to? So I, of course, as always, I'm the best friend. I put Rupert. (laughs) Rupert Everett. Um, Because... So I felt very much like, so when, you know, she calls him the night where she gets really drunk and she calls him and is like, you have to come, you have to come. And then he immediately flies like overnight and wakes her up Stop. and then washes her face. Yeah. I'm not, I'm that friend. For me. Well, yeah, but for a lot of my, if you were like, you have to come here right now, I would be there. Oh, yeah. And you've also talked to me down of ledges being like, I don't think he likes you. <laughs> like also of being like, I don't know. I don't think, I think he likes you a little bit, but not a lot. I always let you make your choices because I truly believe people won't change unless they want to. They won't do things unless they want to, no matter how much you encourage them. So I let you make your choices, but you know how I feel about things. But I also think best friends tell the truth. They tell you not what you want to hear, what you need to hear. No, but I think some people then get upset if you don't take their advice. Mm -hmm. I don't at all because i'm like no people don't you never see it until you see it so if i'm like this person's bad for you and then two months later you're like wow he he was bad for me it's like well yeah but you don't see it until you see it true yeah so i'm i'm that friend i'll put your life back together but it's just because i have the capacity to do it i have the freedom of a single gay man and i have the capacity to help people (laughs) i don't volunteer it but if you ask me i show up that's so funny. Yeah. One day you're going to be the leading character in this movie. <laughs> not, un- not unless we're <laughs> we're doing... <laughs> What's that movie Dumpling? <laughs> not unless we're doing Dumpling or that one where Christina Ritchie's a pig. Penelope. Yeah. Or Babe. That's so funny. No. Yeah. Be nicer to yourself. If we do all of Shrill. Yeah. I'm I'm eighty bro. <laughs> no, I actually am more like a roommate. I'm I am a side character, which I'm fine with. I don't like attention. We're gonna build your your confidence to reach a new height. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. <laughs> All right, so now we have to give a cozy rating. How to on the theme of last, the last movie? How many bread trucks <laughs> would you give it out of ten for coziness? nine she's a goodie is this a movie though that you like think to watch when you like i have movies where i'm i put on not because i even want to watch it but because i know it just makes me feel better or is this like a oh i haven't seen it in a while we should watch it this is a i want to feel good i want to watch something that i know makes me laugh yeah so i'll put it on okay it's not my go-to sick movies no. Or like um, sad movies, but it is a, one of those guaranteed feel goods. That's true. Which I feel like is the, on the spectrum of comfort, is the comfort when times are good. Yes. You know? I guess there's, yeah, there are different kinds of comfort. So if we're saying happy comfort. Yeah. Nine. Yeah, it's like a 9.2 bread drugs for me. Whoa, 9.2. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an extended baguette. Okay, it's, then I'm going to say 9.25. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's a nine. <laughs> It's a nine. It's 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 up there. It's not my go-to, but it's something that I revisit probably every couple of years, every two years. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love it a lot. It's a good one. I highly recommend if you haven't watched it, watch it after listening to this. Uh you won't you won't be disappointed. You won't regret it. It it puts the plot in right away. No. And yeah. it's uh it's not too long. Yes. It doesn't drag. Within ten minutes the plot's going and it's not as improbable as Wonder Way Bride. They, they set it up very fast, and it's efficient, and it makes sense. It's not like some guy in a bar goes, have you heard of this woman who's been married four times? Yeah. No, it, like, it's, it, it can be fast because there isn't a lot of background to know. No. And it makes perfect sense. And you can absolutely relate to the situation that this is probable. Yeah. So, yeah. Nines. Turn off your brain. Get a snack. Just Watch enjoy. Julia and Cameron. And Dermot Mulroney. And everyone's so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> but all fuck. They're in the height of their youth. Oh, they're beautiful. Beautiful people. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. Until then, stay comfy. Stay cozy. Bye. Bye.